Um, everybody, welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about the Day of Atonement. Today, we're going to talk about the Day of Atonement and the 10 Days of Awe. I'm rushing to get this out to you at some significant cost to myself. And even then, you know, we'll, most of the 10 days of all will be passed. We're going to do just some very basic definition, but we're going to go into this question of sin because this seems to be a burning question or questions in the people of God and people's faith is being torn down and there seems to be considerable confusion. So we're going to open up the Word of God and give you strong evidence to on which to base your faith, which to go forward securely and confidently with the strength and power for the kind of service that you need in this world. Okay, so the Day of Atonement, the basic scripture for this is Leviticus 23. So let's go ahead and read this. And I'm going to start really with what we call the Feast of Trumpets. It's actually would be better not to call it a feast because it's a solemn assembly and the Day of Atonement is certainly a solemn assembly. But anyway, Leviticus 23 and 23. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And you shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not afflict, shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among the people. Ye shall do no manner of work, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings, and it shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls, and in the ninth day of the month at even, from even unto even, shall ye celebrate your Sabbath. And then, of course, it goes on to speak about the, the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths or Sukkot. Okay. So it's a day, actually it's a time of repenting. So, although in this passage it does not mention the Ten Days of Awe, that's Jewish tradition that from the solemn assembly of remembering and the blasting of trumpets, then for 10 days they prepare and repent. And so today they would say that this is the time when God um, offers um, forgiveness for past sins and it's important to participate in this repentance and a reconciliation with human beings so the repenting you can repent uh, in, in a service um, of worship for offenses against God but you should also take this time to reconcile with human beings and of course there's sin against yourself so um, and they would then hope for a good year. Okay, so it's about fortune in the next year for Jews today. So they're hoping for blessing. Now, for that category of people who would call themselves Messianic Christians, there seems to be great deal of confusion. It's very messy and variety of opinions. Okay. Because they're trying to 
at the same time as receive the benefits of Christ by faith, then also somehow participate in the Day of Atonement, and they don't have temple, and they don't have sacrifices, and they don't have a consensus admin. And I was uh, privy to a long conversation, which frustrated everybody, because the woman insisting on continuing to ask was mixing up different concepts and asking people who had never studied. And so it's kind of a blind leading the blind, but okay, so for the believing Israelites, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so the whole idea of salvation by faith through salvation by grace through faith that is a New Testament, and you can't go back and read what was going on in the Israelite times with those kinds of assumptions. Although, on the other hand, most Christians go back and read that as if they had no faith and were stupid, and that's clearly not the case either. You had literate people, <laughs> um, and obviously they understood Torah as a gift of grace. Okay. All right. So let's then turn to what is sin if if atonement is reconciling to God and forgiveness and taking care of sin, then let's get some definitions. All right. Also conversation arose as to whether we could live sinless and whether Christians thought so or not. Well, of course, there are, is a diversity of opinion among Christians, and there is a group, and I've mentioned this before, who go around saying, oh, we have to sin every day. And I would disagree with that, based on my reading of 1 John 3 and 4, and other many other scriptures as well. But 1 John 3 and 4, um, oh no, I'm sorry, First John 3 and 8, 9, it says, whoever is born of God does not sin. And then also, First John 1 and 8, 9, it says, if we sin, then we have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. So, it also says, we once were sinners, but now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right, so this is 1 Corinthians. So there is a great deal of scripture that suggests that we shouldn't be living in sin. We'll get back to it. But first we need to define what sin is. Okay. So here is a scripture that is pertinent and will doubtless be quoted by some of the people I was listening to recently. First John 3 and 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. Reading from the King James. For sin is the transgression of the law. Okay. Let, let's read that in New American Standard too for better translation. Okay, it's very, very, very important that you read scripture in context. You don't let somebody cow you, batter you, and take away your faith by pointing to one part of a scripture. Reading scripture in context, you can find out what it means. <laughs> Pulling out one pointilia, then yes, you could come up with all kinds of doctrines, and this is what was going on. So, you could pull out the words, for sin is the transgression of the law, and batter people with it, because people would assume then that the law there means the Mosaic law. And that's exactly what was happening. But let's read this in context. First John 3, let's start with verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Technon, teenagers. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him meaning Jesus Christ. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared 
what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practice lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. That was verse 6. So you cannot use that scripture to batter people and say, forget about every other avenue toward holiness, but just keep the Mosaic law. And in fact, that doesn't even make sense because how can you keep the Mosaic law if you don't have sacrifices? How can you keep the Mosaic law if stoning your children is illegal in your country? And that begs the question, even can you keep the Mosaic law? And do you think you know more than the Council of Apostles in Acts 15, who decided that the Gentiles need not keep the Mosaic Law. And by the way, John was there, and James was there, as well as Paul. Okay? All right. So, so what is sin? We don't want to sin, but what is sin? Okay. So, the law of first mention is first mentioned in Genesis 4 and 7, and key to Strong's, the Hebrew 2403, which means offense, chata, zehecht tet alef hey. So the consensus view is, so offense. The consensus Jewish view is that there is no original sin. Sin is missing the mark, straying from making good decision. So because we have uh, yet, yet, sir. The, the the good inclination and the bad inclination and so we have this bad inclination to sin against God others and self and so and so in the Jewish way of thinking we have this day of atonement which is an annual cleaning of the slate against God okay and so this is Yom Kippur or the day of atonement and Teshuvah is the Hebrew word for repentance and so they are repenting and reconciling themselves with God and with people and presumably with themselves as well. So that's the consensus Jewish view today. Let's turn then to what I can ascertain as Chabad Lubavitcher view. So these are these are Hasidic Jews who are messianic in the sense that they are more focused on looking for the Messiah, the Lubavitcher Chabad. Okay, and so Yalkut Shimoni uh, posted on Psalms 25. So sin has four Okay, so there was a a uh, panel discussion, we would call it. Um, so wisdom, prophecy, uh, Torah, and God had the opportunity to discuss what sin was. And wisdom said, sin is, is that which is harmful, deeds that are harmful. And prophecy said it is death because it's disruption uh, of the connection with God. And the Torah said, it's folly. It's a cognitive disruption when you do things that are make no sense. And God says, yes, it's all of those, but it's an opportunity for return in Teshuvah, in repentance. God sees sin as an opportunity to return. So in, in the Day of Atonement, we have to agonize over the utter devastation it has wrecked on our soul. We have to recognize, disavow, and renounce its folly, and only then can we go back and change what we did. Okay. Um, and oh, I'm sorry. That that was discussed by Yalkut Shimoni, who was rabbi in old olden days, but posted by Yankee Tauber. 
okay, based on the teachings of the Rebbe, which assume it's the founder of the Lubavitcher movement. You can find that on the web. So, so that's as good a conversation as I can have about what sin is in the Hebrew way of thought. Okay, so in my way of thinking, I do give more weight to the Torah and the Tanakh um, as opposed to the later rabbinical writings, but my goodness, they're the ones who study it all their lifetime. I do want to hear from them. Okay, so what about in Greek? Every time sin shows up keyed in Strong's, of course, with the King James Bible, every time it shows up, the word is harmartia, very fairly consistently in the King James. Harmartia, which means missing the mark. And hallelujah, you see, this parallels what the Hebrew word was, okay? So it's not simply failing to keep the Ten Commandments. It's not simply failing to keep the Mosaic Law with or without the ceremonial Levitical portion. But it's all kind of missing the mark. And so that's much greater than just the Mosaic Law. But I think we need to go over some scriptures um, about that. What have our founders of the faith, what did the first apostles say about sin and say about keeping the law? Now, of course, we're not throwing out the law. Now, that's why we're carrying it around in our Bibles. We have the Torah, we have the Tanakh, we have not just Mosaic Law, but also uh, history and, and wisdom and books and prophetic books. We carry all of that around. Nobody threw that away. Nobody that I know, that I think that's a figment of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> so that you can feel good about yourselves. Everybody's looking for a privileging principle so that they can be the spiritual ones. Okay, I think that's something that needs to be repented of. Okay, so let's just read some scriptures here. 1 John 3 and 5, we already read, and you know that Jesus Christ was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Okay, and then we'll go ahead and read verse 9. Now let's just keep reading. So we finished at 6. Verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. And one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Okay, so the insidious, perhaps well-intentioned, but definitely diabol that I was talking to day before yesterday wanted to hammer people that they had no idea what was sin and they just needed to keep the law like she did right she was the the spiritual one well I don't think that that lines up that doesn't come up to this bar even if she did keep the law this doesn't come up to this bar. To do righteousness to the bar of what Jesus does. And Jesus said his law was to love one another. So it was her contention that we would have no idea 
we have no idea. If you don't keep the law, then you're just out in left field just doing whatever you want. And that's not quite true. It is true that you can do that. But is there consensus about what keeping the law means? I would say no, not even among the rabbis. Okay. So, in the first place, I'm not sure that anyone has ever kept the law perfectly. Romans 3.20, Romans 5 and 20, the law entered in order to point out sin. So, it's very helpful. It's a schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. Yes, because we have this foundation, we begin to understand what sin is and what righteousness is. But that's the beginning. All right? And then Romans, we're not under the law. Let's go ahead and, and, and read these. Romans 6 and 15. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Man, never be. Okay, so people have thought of that before. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll go ahead and read Romans 5.20. And the law came in that transgression may increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned into death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, and then Romans 7 and 8. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from the law, sin is dead. So here is Paul writing, who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, which means he kept the law more than anybody. He was zealous for keeping the law, and that's what he said. He was very zealous for keeping the law. And yet he is saying himself, the law was not sufficient to bring him to full righteousness. Rather, it pointed out sin. So it was very helpful. We need to understand what he's trying to tell us. But Paul found it insufficient for bringing him wholly into God and certainly not up to the it never never considered bringing us up to the the some sort of similarity with God okay and even talk like that would even scandalize Christians but what I'm saying is while the Mosaic law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ it's sufficient it's not sufficiently high bar because it does not make us like Christ. You never claim to. But how can we be like Christ? Well, first off, we deal with our sin by being in Christ. So let's read Romans 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh... God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So, what the law could not do. <laughs> Once again, Romans 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do, because it was weak through flesh. It's on the human level. All the law is more, more than human. But Christ Jesus came. So it's, it's like the law was a letter from the owner of the field to the workers. But then he sent his son. And he has become our perfect sin offering. So I recommend to you reading the whole argument that Paul makes from Romans 1 through Romans 8. He says we're all concluded under sin. 
we all have fallen short. So yeah, we fall short of following even the Mosaic law, but we certainly fall short of the law of loving our brother. And most certainly we fall short of the law of life. You know, there's a law of life and a law of death. <laughs> and we fall short of the glory of God. So if missing the mark is the definition of sin, we fall short of the glory of God. That's the mark. And the Mosaic law, wise as it is, necessary as it was, and necessary as it is today to study it, and, uh, and yes, Jews should keep it. And if Gentiles want to, hallelujah, there's no judgment in that. But it's not sufficient to bring us to the glory of God. Okay? It's not a sufficiently high bar. And, and there's some lack of consensus what it would mean even to keep the Mosaic Law. So most observant Jews keep kosher. So you, Messianic Christian, are you going to keep kosher? So Okay, and, and, and truth be told, most Messianic folks don't eat pork and call it good. You know, they, they, let's, I assure you, whatever you do, study. Know what you're talking about. And by all means, refrain from pulling down other people's faith. Okay, none of us knows everything. And God set it up that way. We we need to we need to hear from the Spirit. And as as we all draw closer to Christ, we're drawing closer to one another, and each of us has a peace. But it's very important that we not be puffed up in our flesh that we know some a little something and, and then tear down people's faith. And of course, I know you all know the wisest person in the room is usually the slowest to speak. And the wisest person knows how much they don't know. It's usually the people who know just enough to be dangerous who are pop-offs. Okay, verse 8 and 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So, for a Christian to focus on and to batter other people with the law is crazy. You have forgotten Jesus Christ and moved away, and then you're violating the law of love because you're taking away their assurance of faith and bringing condemnation upon them. I believe that's what I was saying. Anyway, that's how I read what I was saying. Okay. So, continuing on to consider what is sin, James 2 and 9. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. James 4 and 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And 1 John 5 and 17. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. Okay, so... There's a lot more sin in the Christian viewpoint than simply breaking the Mosaic Law. So if you keep the Mosaic Law, good for you. You haven't learned sufficiently yet. All right, so with the Jews who, on the basis of their understanding of the law, are repentant and humble before God, we we who think that we follow the Messiah, Christ, and not just follow him, but are in Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we are in Christ, how much more should we be humble? Humble to each other and humble before God. And this is <clears throat> a great time of the year to be humble as we remember the feasts or the appointed times, the Moedim, it's better than saying feasts. We're just used to saying that in English. So 
sin is, you know, and there's different words for sin, transgression, idolatry, obedience. And in the law, there's statutes and ordinances and, and laws. And I'm not going to get into any of that today because, yeah, we need a good study in Hebrew and Greek. But we've already defined the law in terms, we've already defined sin in terms of concepts as pretty large. It's any kind of falling short of the glory of God. It's all unrighteousness. It's, and certainly for us, doing what we know we should not do and not doing what we know we should do. Okay. But how should we then walk? Well, humbly, because once we were sinners, let, let's think about that. Once we were sinners, past tense. Okay, Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 5 and 19. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So they're talking about Adam. So federally, in Adam, we were brought into sin. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. And the law came in that transgression might increase, but where transgression increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, and then he goes off and says, okay, is this going to make us all antinomians and we're just going to do whatever we want? And then, but how do you get into all of this? Okay, following on his argument, Romans 10, chapter 10, and where shall we start? Okay, well, let's just start at Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for them meaning for all Israel, is their salvation. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish it on their own. Pause and think about that. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices righteousness, which is based on the law, shall live by that righteousness. Verse 6, But the righteousness based on faith speaks this, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? Now this is a quotation. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Shall being stronger than will. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. So, how do you get out of sin? You call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus, Yeshua, HaMashiach. Yes, and we are in him he and us so we depend upon his righteousness and if this is true then we purify ourselves if we have this hope then we purify ourselves so it's not like okay say this prayer and you do whatever you want no 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 so read all of Romans okay so 
First Peter 4 and 1. Well, first, let's, before we do that, let's talk about establishing your own righteousness, going away from this understanding of what Jesus, Yeshua, has done for us. If you go away from that, that is very scary. Read about this in, in Hebrews. Don't trample under feet the great gift that God has given to us in calling himself, calling us to himself. Hebrews 10 and 26. It's a very scary passage. Because once you leave Christ, how are you going to come back? Thank goodness the mercy of the Lord is everlasting. But don't do it. Yes, learn about the law. Yes, learn about the feast. Fine. Repent on the day of atonement. Repent every day that you need to repent. But don't besmirch the name of of Jesus Christ, of Yeshua HaMashiach. Don't go back to the law as if it were superior. The law is holy. The law is grace. The law is a great gift. The law is worthy of a lifetime of study. But it's not greater than the Messiah, Son of God. And the Day of Atonement can't bring you closer to God than the atonement that is in Yeshua. Okay, First Peter 4 and 1. So for anybody who, who doesn't know, I expect most people who listen to this do know that Jesus Christ, this is English and Greek for Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, Yeshua is, is the Hebrew name and Ha is the, and Mashiach is, is Messiah, okay? So Jesus Christ is simply a translation of Yeshua HaMashiach, okay? It's just that we don't tend to speak Hebrew. First Peter 4 and 1, I've been meaning to get there. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So we need to go beyond this whole discussion, which is a very basic discussion in some ways, and go on, follow on to know the Lord. Yes, but I want the foundations because we can't follow on to know the Lord without the foundations. If you try to build a skyscraper without the basement and the first floor, you're in big trouble. So our salvation is in Jesus Christ. We know we need that salvation because we understand the law. We know how to proceed because we understand the law. We are respectful to the Jews who continue to follow in that tradition and we pray for their salvation that it may be completed by understanding their Messiah. <laughs> okay. And we are reverent because we have been grafted in to that tree, that olive tree. So, but once we are settled and grounded in our salvation, and we endeavor every day to walk in love with the brethren and holy in the Lord, then we can aspire to more because if we are like our teacher, we are like our teacher. And as the world hated him, it will hate us and we are going to be persecuted. And these words were very weak for a couple of centuries here in the United States because this was such a great place, but it's not hard to imagine a wall of persecution. In fact, it, it's been announced that they're going to come after quote unquote Christian nationalists. So anybody who wants to be a real Christian and who wants to make the world a better place and who loves their family and the people around them will be called Christian nationalism and evil has been called good and good has been called evil. So if you are motivated by resentment and hate 
and conduct violence, then that's virtue signaling. (laughs) Somebody put out a meme on social media, and they had a picture of uh, some people who had their hair painted red standing up on end with lots of piercings in their face and so forth and here and then over here on the other side was a Norman Rockwell picture uh, you know like 1950s everybody in church and the girl had a little skirt on and the the, the males had their little hair cut and combed very nicely and they said counterculture then and now <laughs> so Norman Rockwell is counterculture now all right so Arm yourself with the same mind that you're going to go out and serve others even to your own detriment, like I'm doing now. Like I don't have another thing to do, so I'm up early in the morning, up late at night, trying to get all my things done, and offering you this teaching in the Word of God. Right. What do I get for this? Well, I I do get something. I pleasure of knowing that I have obeyed God and I have offered you something, offered something that will keep you on the right track, offered something that will bring you to God, keep you in confidence of your salvation, hallelujah, and spur you on to growth in God. Arm yourself with the same mind that you will suffer in your service, not just suffering for suffering's sake, because that's stupid, but that you're going to go out and serve others, even though you're going to have to do that at your own cost or that you may be persecuted for being good. And First John 1 and 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and with the blood of, and the blood of Jesus Christ the Son cleanseth, off, cleanseth us from all sin. Oh, that sounds like a great note to end on. The blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sins. That's present tense. Sounds like it's continuous. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. Jesus, Yeshua, was the perfect sacrifice. And that's why there is no Passover sacrifice today. That's why there is no temple today. The presence departed from the temple, and the temple was sacked, just as Jesus said it would. Remember, he said, tear down this temple, and I will raise it in three days, talking of his body. And they got all mad that, oh, he was talking against the the brick-and-mortar temple, which is now torn down. Right, But his body was the greater temple. And he raised it up, dead, buried, and resurrected. And he is the perfect sacrifice. It is the sacrifice of Jesus that cleanses us. And great that we should repent today. Great that we should be humble for our sins. Better that we should also rejoice in Yeshua, in the perfect Lamb. Yes, we should be thankful for Torah. Even more should we be thankful for his son. And we should have fellowship with him. Hallelujah. And therefore with each other. And walk in the light. So. Yes, the day of atonement is a great day. Yes, it's an appointed time. Yes, it's a great day to fast and flick your souls and and repent and reconcile. Yes. Yes, of course, there is a great judgment coming. There is a prophetic meaning. This is the next to last of the seven feasts of Israel, Day of Atonement. And then comes Sukkot, the tabernacles, where God dwells with humans. The Day of Atonement then prophetically speaks of judgment. There's the great trumpet, I'm told, although I don't have a scripture for that. So, yes, there's a prophetic fulfillment. And we see in Revelation chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 1, that Jesus is depicted as having brass feet, very heavy. He's coming slowly. 
He's coming with judgment slowly. And why, why such slowness? Because he wishes that none should perish, but all should repent and come to the knowledge of, of Christ. Right? So judgment is coming, and it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to suggest that there's going to be a lot of judgment on these evil people. We have wondered why it has been so slow. Great harm has been done. Great maliciousness to the to the level of insanity. Who 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 would benefit from killing a mass of people? Who benefits from enslaving people? Who benefits from impoverishing people? Who benefits from torturing people? But this has gone on in a massive scale. I mean, Satan has made the richest men in the world feel that they don't have enough. They're worried about the planet not having enough in a year or two, which is nonsense. They're worried about having too many people and they want to kill the, the vast majority of people and have done widespread acts toward that end. But you know it's not working. The elite in society died and they themselves they're going to wreck the monetary system and they themselves are impoverishing themselves. The Fed, who's in charge of this, is shaking in their boots. And those who have sold them so, them, their own souls are wandering around ill and foolish in front of everyone. Sin is a cruel taskmaster. But Jesus Christ promises us things unimaginably good. Not only everything pertaining to life and godliness, but eternal life. Eternal life according to the riches and the living standard of heaven. So yes, there's judgment coming. But wrath is not reserved for the children. Hallelujah. So let's enter into this time and focus on repentance and not hide from ourselves our own lacks and our own sin and let us reconcile with God and with humans and and even with ourselves and, and fasting may be a great thing to do in our culture where we surfeit with things that aren't necessarily all that natural and good for our body so even fasting might be reconciling with the body possibly but then we move on to tabernacles which is a great celebration hugely wonderful beyond belief that God would tabernacle with us and that's what it's all about Emmanuel God with us hallelujah hallelujah okay I hope this is helpful Maybe you wanted to hear about the man of sin and the prophetic timeline, etc. This is more important, folks. This is more important. Get saved. Deal with your sin by getting into Christ, accepting that perfect lamb. And understand that by studying Torah, Tanakh. Okay? You got it. And then go forth with confidence now. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Amen. I invite you to partner with this ministry by sowing your money, your time, your talent with us. So if you'd like to make a donation via the internet you can go to jesusthepatternson.org and click through and
PayPal, we understand to be a reputable company, will handle that. Either you don't have to have a PayPal account, you can just use your credit card if you would like, or your debit card. If you would like to use land mail, then that address is P.O. Box 971 Cedar Park, Texas, USA 78630. That's P.O. Box 971 Cedar Park, Texas, USA 78630. We are not a 501c3. And we have no plans at this time to get recognized by the government. But we will trust that God will bless you. And we will certainly pray for you. For those who who partner with us, this is biblical. Maybe we'll have to teach on that some other time. But if you, you know, you, you, you get out what you put in. <laughs> you sow what you reap. And so I'm, I'm delighted to be able to, to teach from the Bible and to offer and uh, really here is a good example other people are being put in bondage and are having their their assurance taken away and uh, and I I've actually done some study in Greek and Hebrew and the Bible and and hopefully this was helpful to you at this time of year but you know I have bills like everybody else so it would be helpful if you could support the the teaching also, invite me to speak at your place. I would love to do that. And uh, would love to have some volunteer hours, too, if you want to invest that. So participate, and my God shall supply all your need. This, um, I preached. <laughs> I have the same God that Paul had. Yes? Okay. So you may ask me questions via email, or invite me via email. And so... Let's see, I think that address is sister at jesuspatternson.org. Okay, and let me bless you with the ironic blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace, give you shalom, nothing missing. Nothing broken. Amen. Oh,